It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everybody, welcome into this week's Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Sort of a potpourri of topics today. We're going to check in on draft guys from June that are off to great starts in their first seasons of pro ball. Jim wrote a story about top 100 prospects being dealt over the last five years at the trade deadline and how those have worked out. And it's also the summer showcase season uh, continues on. Perfect game is this weekend. East Coast Pro was last weekend, so we'll check in on that circuit as well. And we're excited first to be joined with someone who knows something about the summer showcase. That is Twins' number one prospect in 2017, number one overall pick, Royce Lewis. Royce, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Royce, uh, my first question for you is, you know, you started this season, obviously, in Cedar Rapids, got off to a great start. Now you move on to Advanced A, Fort Myers. You've been there a few weeks now, and your numbers, if anything, have gotten a little better at Fort Myers. Just talk about the adjustment to Advanced A, how how it's gone in your mind. Uh, for me, it's just, you know, bettering my game any way possible. And, um, you know, moving up to this level, we got a lot a lot of those uh, players that are helping me out, giving me some tips and advice on you know, what these pitchers are going to do. And we have video available to us now. And I feel like just using all the resources that I have at this level have helped me improve my game um, as far as moving forward. Uh, Royce, Jim Callis here. I want to ask you two questions related to being the number one overall pick. One, uh, I guess on a less serious note, what's the, the coolest thing that you, you bought with your bonus money? And then on a more baseball-related note, how much pressure comes with being the number one overall pick? I mean, do you – I mean, we're doing it right here. I mean, you constantly remind hey, you're the number one pick. Is, is there pressure that comes along with, with wearing that badge? Um, there's definitely some, some pressure that comes along with it, but, uh, you know, it's all, it's all part of the job, and it's all fun. fun. At the end of the day, uh, you know, I just really appreciate the blessing that I was given to, to be the number one pick, and I'm just taking it and running with it and playing the game of baseball and having fun. And then uh, as far as what I got with the, the bonus money I was able to be blessed with is, I got a Toyota Camry and I uh, decked it out with the, made it into a Batmobile. I love Batman and um, so I got the new 2018 Camry and and a PS4 and that was it. I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, your your draft class because uh, some of the high school guys have been performing really well. Uh, you know, you look, you know, Hunter Green went to to the Futures game. I know he's shut down now. Joe Adele's made it to Double A. Uh, how much do you you know, tabs with the, the other guys who were high schoolers? Uh, with you uh, on that showcase circuit that Tim mentioned and, and how they're doing in their first whole season. Oh, you know, I, going into our, our draft class, I looked around at all the guys, and I knew that our draft class was really special. And, you know, I still believe that our draft class is probably the best of, that I've seen since I've been on this earth. But, I mean, I mean, we're judging against, you know, millions of millions of people, and there's still years to come, and we got to show for it in the future. But our, I still believe it, that our draft class is amazing. I mean, like you said, with guys like, Joe Dell and Hunter Green, and um, those are guys we're still keep in touch with. And you know, prayers out to Hunter and hope he gets a quick recovery with that. Uh, it was a real unfortunate injury. And then 
as far as Jordan, I just texted him congratulations. He's called it double A already. And, um, you know, just so proud of those guys and how they work. And, um, you know, just keep in touch with all those guys and guys like Quentin Holmes and Tyler Freeman. And there's a bunch of guys that I'm friends with that are in my draft class that it's just fun staying in touch and baseball creates all these long-lasting uh, friendships. Royce, I mean, obviously you're having a tremendous offensive season. Everybody can look at that, you know, from the numbers you, you've put up. How are you? How do you feel like the defensive side of things is going? I know there was maybe some question, you know, long-term when you were drafted, some scouts thought you might be more of a center fielder than a shortstop. How is the defensive uh, work going, and, and how much, I mean, does it matter what position you want to play? Do you, do you care that much, or, or, or how do you look at that? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I'd love to play shortstop for a long time, if that's, if it's up to me, I'd love to be playing shortstop at, at the highest level as long as possible. But at the end of the day, if it was a Trey Turner situation, they said, you know what, we have a shortstop right now, but center field is open, I'd definitely go out there, and I wouldn't mind, uh, especially if they're telling you, hey, we're going to call you up to the big leagues, but can you play center? Uh, you're not going to say no. I'll stay in double-A AA or triple-A to, to play shortstop. Um, you know, I just, I'm a team guy first, and uh, as long as I can play shortstop, I'll definitely keep playing shortstop. And uh, this year I feel like it's, it's changed dramatically and as far as improving it's been great uh you know my shortstop play has changed from maybe a below rookie level below average level to above average now um you could tell by you know i feel like if you just get an athletic person into playing the position and you get some teaching involved in that um and some repetition um they'll change into a, a player that you know you, you don't expect maybe didn't expect to have the arm or had this and that um you know it just takes a little bit of teaching here and there and i fixed it up great and i feel like it's just going to improve even more well, I can say, Royce, uh, for, for whatever it's worth, uh, you know, I had heard you know, what Jim had mentioned about well, whether you're a shortstop or a center fielder. I have not heard anybody, and I do the Twins' top 30 list, say anything about you needing to move off a of shortstop. So clearly uh, the work you're putting in uh, uh, has been paying off. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the, the, the Twins' system uh, because it is a, a, a really good one, maybe if it's not the – the best. It is one of the better farm systems in in all of baseball. Talk a little bit about just the amount of talent that you see every day at the two levels you've been at, and, and maybe what you saw even in spring training because there are a bunch of guys uh, at the upper levels as well. Oh, it's really special uh, to be playing with and practicing with all these guys that are really talented and uh, just learning from each, you know, from each other and just trying to pick up on each other's games and learn the best we can. And I feel like you know, getting advice from other people and learning from. You know, a hitter like Alex Kirloff in our system who is an un- unbelievable hitter and always putting barrels on the ball and seems like every day he has a single or at least two lineouts to center field. Uh, but, you know, learning from guys like him and, and how he hits and taking it into my approach and trying to configure out a way for me to do the same thing, um, it's really helped me as far as my development. And, you know, Alex and I are really good friends now. It's just, you know, there's a lot of other people that, in this organization that are amazing. I just I can't name them all right now in this short conversation that we're having, but uh, this, this talent level that we have on the Twins, don't sleep on us in the future, man. I'm telling people, you know, 2020, 2021, watch out. It's going to be like the Royals all over again or the Cubs. Yeah, and, and uh, Royce, Jim, and Jonathan do our rankings for, for uh, systems, and they certainly have you guys ranked highly as well. So, so we know what you got there with the Twins. Hey, on Monday night, uh, we mentioned that you were obviously the number one pick in 2017. You faced Casey Mize, who was the number one pick in 2018, and you had a nice night. Two for two with a home run off Casey. Was that something that's even in your mind, um, that sort of thing, as far as high draft picks? And do you get any? Do you get amped up any extra to face a guy like that? Uh, no, I don't, I honestly, I just go about it the same way as far as approach wise, look for a pitch I can drive, 
um, and, you know, and, and hopefully I got – and in that game I got a couple pitches, and um, I was just hoping for it going into the game. But, uh, you know, obviously all my teammates and stuff say, oh, it's a one-on-one day, you know, you're facing the guy that got drafted, your brother. They called him my brother. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I actually got a chance to meet him uh, last night after the game, and I told him congratulations. He's a really good dude. Uh, we actually know – uh, his one of his teammates that he played with went to my high school, so we were talking about him, and uh, it was just he's a really good dude. I told him congratulations, and he told me the same. And I, you know, I just he's a really good dude. I, I thought he had great stuff, and he just it seemed like he wasn't on. Uh, I'm a, I'm assuming that's just because after the draft, it's a whirlwind. I knew last year when I got drafted, uh, it was a whirlwind, and you're just trying to find out who you are still, and it's kind of just getting thrown right into the limelight, and it's tough. So I gave him a lot of credit, and I was just telling him keep working, and he'll he'll do fine. So. Uh, it was good facing him. Royce, I mean, speaking of you, kind of playing off that Casey Myers question, I mean, you got to see a lot of talented players uh, in the Midwest League, now in the Florida State League, in your pro debut. In your short pro career to this point, who's the, the toughest pitcher that you've faced so far? And, and which hitter on another team has made the biggest impression just from watching him? Oh, that, that's a tough question. That's probably the toughest question I ever had. Uh, as far as pitching, I can't just name one. I've seen there's been a few, uh, especially on the Flying Tigers in the Detroit system. That they got a few pitchers that are up there, um, and they just they throw hard and they get out and they know how to pitch, man. But uh, as far as hitters, there's been a lot of hitters. I can't just name any either one. Um, it's really tough to do. Even you know going out in the major leagues, it's hard to name just one hitter that stands out in your mind that just dominates. There's so many hitters. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me on my own team, I was feel off playing, being able to play with him and watch him hit each and every day has been really special. So um, he's the only guy that's standing out to me so far. Uh, but he's on my team, so I'm a little biased. But other than that, yeah, that's a tough question. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, good uh-huh. answer, Royce. Absolutely. Hey, you ready for some rapid fire to finish this off? Oh yeah. All right, a little bit of everything here in the rapid fire. First question: All-time favorite Twins player? Who is it? Tory Hunter. All right, very good. St. Paul or Minneapolis? Uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> uh, Fortnite or FIFA? Fortnite. That's a popular answer these days, right? Uh, all right, who yeah. wins in a foot race, yourself or Byron Buxton? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, we we Byron won't tell him what you answer. We'll keep it quiet. I say, I say a healthy Byron Buxton. All right, fair enough. All right, and then uh, similarly tough question, who's going to finish this year with more homers? You or Kirilov, you have 12 right now. He has 16. Ooh. I'm, I'm going to say Kirilov just because of the respect that I have for him as a hitter. Kirilov's going to get it. That's it. You're a good teammate, too. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Who would your celebrity doppelganger be, or who do people say you look like? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't like having doppelgangers, really. I just like being Rush Lewis, but um, shoot. I, I like calling myself Batman if anyone wants to. I don't have a doppelganger, though. I, I'm not sure. All right. I like, we'll go with Batman. That's fine. And then this one, actually, uh, Jim stole some of my thunder by asking you about your bonus money because you said you got the 2018 Camry. Um, but I'll ask you this. I heard or, or I read somewhere that you actually wanted to buy a 2007 Camry. Is there truth to that? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Why the 2007? Just a, a dream of yours growing up? Yeah, my grandparents actually had that car uh when they when I was growing up and I, that was the first car I loved I just it was so clean and smooth when it drove and um, 
I wanted a red one. Uh, I went to a high school. That's my favorite color is red. I went to a high school that red and gold were the colors, so I was going to get a red one and get gold spinning rims. But then my mom was like, that's too flashy for high school. And I was like, okay. So then um, I still wanted a 2007. Uh, I still wanted a red one. But then by the time, you know, I got drafted, it's been 10 years, 11 years now. So she was like, you know, that might break down if you're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa playing. So let's <laughs> Let's just try to get a newer version. I said, all right. So we ended up getting 2018. All right. That's some good motherly advice. Absolutely. Royce, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Uh, thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, Royce. All right. Royce Lewis, 2017 number one overall pick and the top prospect in the twin system and currently teammates with the number two prospect in the twin system, Alex Kirilov, who you could tell he has quickly become friends with as well. And um, Jonathan, I'll, I'll start with you here. You hear a lot about Royce Lewis when you read about it, and you guys got to know him a little bit, I think, around draft season and, and since then. And everything you always hear is he's just always in a good mood, a smiling guy, and a smart baseball player. And it comes through in an interview right there. Oh, it, it certainly does. He is uh, you know, a combination of tools, baseball IQ, energy, makeup, character, all-in-one player. Oh, and he's going to play a premium position. Even if, say, he doesn't end up at shortstop, uh, you know, and has to has to go on to, uh, you know, goes into center field. He's still playing up the middle. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't blowing smoke either. Like uh, th- th- those questions about him playing shortstop, I haven't heard those come up. Uh, you know, in the last, uh, you know, over the course of the season, and he has improved. And I don't see any reason why he will have to. Uh, move off the position unless they've got an established big leaguer there. But uh, I think he's the kind of guy you make room for. Jim, he's obviously gotten off to a great start. Right after the draft in 2017, he had a nice run in his first uh, pro ball. And then this year, it's really been from day one. He's been great offensively and improved defensively. Um, how fast is his track right now? You know, you usually hear about these high school kids and teams take it slow. But, man, it's going to be hard to hold him back. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think we say this a lot of times about these guys. You know, the great players kind of set their own ETA. Like, I, I don't think that the Blue Jays were counting on Vlad Guerrero being up before, uh, you know, by the time he's 20 necessarily when they signed him, and, and he's going to be. And the same thing with, with Royce Lewis. Uh, you know, I, you know, offensively, I think he's he's been, I don't even know better than expected is fair, but, I mean, he's certainly performed as hoped. In the Midwest League, we, I, I say this all the time, I do think that's the toughest place to hit in the minors. It's a lot of young guys, first full season in pro ball. It's like about 40 degrees for most of April and sometimes part of May. That's not easy, and he handled that. And, and now he's in the Florida State League, which has some of the bigger ballparks in the minor leagues, and, and he hasn't been phased there either. You know, I think he needs to get maybe a little bit more consistent defensively at shortstop. I, I think the only you – know, I don't think there's any question he has the quickness and, and athleticism to play it short, you know, I think the only question might be a little bit on the arm, but like you can figure that out. And as Jonathan said, I mean, so far so good, but I mean, realistically, you know, if he keeps this up, I don't necessarily think he'd be up next year unless they had a glaring need and they were contending. But I think realistically 2020 is probably, you know, something that can happen. You know I mean? They, they, they do have, you know, Jorge Polanco, who's a young guy who's played, you know, I think he's kind of their, their shortstop of the present. Um, you know, they've got Nick Gordon coming. You know, Nick may want to be more of a second baseman in the long run, especially with Dozier traded. But, I mean, at this point, I think we see Royce Lewis at some point in 
2020. So uh, the, the message to no one in particular, we need to make sure we get Royce Lewis in the 2019 Futures game uh, because I don't think we're going to get a crack at him in 2020. Yeah, that might be the only chance, absolutely. All right, so good stuff. Thanks to Royce again for joining us. Um, speaking of draft, guys, let's move on to that. The 2018 draft and some of the guys who were taken are already off to tremendous starts to their pro careers. Jonathan, you wrote this story on MLB Pipeline, and you go fairly deep as far as pitchers and hitters. I want to talk about some of the best guys that were top guys and you have Nolan Gorman checking in at number one, the third baseman with the Cardinals, obviously out of the high school ranks. Going into tonight, 345, 11 homers, 28 RBIs in 37 games. The power is real, huh? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there are a couple things interesting with his start. And listen, this is always done with the caveat of it being a very small sample size, positively or negatively, uh, the first summer. It doesn't matter that much. It's really more about getting their feet wet. Now, if you have a really good first summer, I think it sets a, a good foundation of confidence and, and a, can act as a springboard into the following you know, first full year. Uh, what's interesting with Gorman is this is a guy who, you know, we all know about the home run derbies. Uh, you know, he'd shown glimpses of the power in games. His senior season was a little up and down because he never got pitched to, made it a little tougher for him you know, to be evaluated. Ended up going, I think it's a little bit lower than we might have anticipated at, at 19. And then the Cardinals skipped him over the Gulf Coast League and challenged him by sending him to the Appalachian League. And he's put up the numbers you just uh, ticked off there. And, uh, you know, he's among the, the league leaders in OPS and slugging and home runs, all of them, uh, as one of the younger guys in the league. Uh, so it's a, a very, very uh, impressive start for him in showing that uh, uh, the power is legitimate uh, and the hit tool will be enough for him to get to that power. And uh, be very curious to see how he uses this. It puts him you know, uh, more than ready to, to hit the Midwest League in 2019. All right, number two on your list. And, Jim, you can speak on Joey Bart, the catcher for the Giants. 31 games. He's already played at two levels. Uh, 331 Nine homers, 12 doubles, 28 RBIs. He's doing a little bit of it all for in the San Francisco system. Yeah, and, you know, again, I don't think necessarily the, the first-year numbers are make or break, that you have to come in and, and put up numbers right away or you're doomed. But when you, you know, invest a first-round pick in a guy, you know, especially a position player, you're expecting, you know, these guys to be, you know, impact bats. And it's always nice when you see that. And, you know, I, I think you can make a case – I, I will actually make this case. It doesn't necessarily reflect exactly what we have in the top 100. I think Joey Bart's already the best catching prospect in baseball because I'm not sold on Francisco Mejia staying behind the plate, and I am on Bart. Um, and, and he's a guy who, you know, not just with the power, but I mean, he improved defensively at Georgia Tech. He called his own game. He's gone from a, you know, coming out of high school, an offensive guy where you wondered if he could catch. Did you definitely know he can catch? If I'm the Giants, I'm feeling really, really good about spending the number two pick in the draft on Joey Park. All right, let's switch over to the pitchers. Jonathan, number one on your list is Grayson Rodriguez, the Orioles. He has yet to allow a, an earned run. Twelve scoreless frames, uh, five starts, six appearances. So obviously uh, limited innings in each of those starts, but he's been dominant. Yeah, I mean, it's going to, especially, I mean, the college pitchers in particular are not going to throw a, a, a whole lot Uh but even the high school guys aren't going to pitch too much. A lot of the times they hadn't, you know, especially if they didn't, don't sign right away, it will have been quite some time before they pitched. Um, so, 
you know, take it for what it's worth. But, um, you know, for a guy who, you know, Grayson Rodriguez was this guy who most people had talent-wise, you know, lower down. We started hearing his name creeping up in, in conversations. Um, but, you know, there was more because they thought there was going to be a deal of some sort. The Orioles clearly really liked him, and that's why they, they ended up taking him there. And, and at least uh, in the short term, he's rewarded the, uh, their belief in him and thrown very, very well. Um, you know, the, uh, they probably are going to try to be a little cautious. They've taken some high school pitchers the last few years, and there's been a lot of injury issues. Uh, so it'll be interesting how they, you know, what kind of kick gloves they have on him. Uh, but he's clearly showing that the Gulf Coast League is not really a, a challenge for him, at least in terms uh, of keeping hitters from, from barreling up the baseball against them. Jim, one college guy who has thrown a, a decent amount of innings, really. Daniel Lynch, left-handed pitcher with the Royals. He's currently in Lexington. 3-0, and a 1-5-3 ERA. That's in eight starts and 35 and a third innings, which to me at this point in early August does seem like a decent amount for a college guy. Yeah, you don't usually see the, the college guys throw that much. And, you know, the interesting thing with Lynch is he was, A, the, the third of the three first-rounders uh, coming out of or that the Royals got. You know, they took Brady Singer and Jackson Kowar with the first two picks. And, B, I think he went a little bit higher than the consensus. I mean, he was kind of, I think, universally respected as a draft prospect, not necessarily seen as a, as a first-rounder. And, you know, at Virginia, he, he, was, he would at times rely very heavily on his secondary pitches, and the Royals asked him to come out and work more with his fastball. They wanted him to pitch off his fastball more, and he's thrown harder. I mean, he sat around 90 in college, you know, with Fink, and he's added some four-seamers. Now he's 92, 94, and, and usually touching 96 or 97 every game. The slider and curveball have added some power also. The slider's better than the curve. You know, he's still got the deceptive changeup. He's still throwing strikes. The Royals are pretty excited about this guy. I would anticipate you would think they'd shut him down fairly soon. I and mean, he threw 89 innings in the spring. So he's up to 124. Um, so I guess I am a little surprised, too, that he's thrown as much as he has. Um, you know, I assume he'll probably take it pretty easy. Maybe he won't even go to instructional league. But, I mean, so far, you know, the, the Royals, like I said, are, are very excited about him and the fact that his stuff has been even better when they've got him to, to pitch more off the fastball and work off of it and not throw as many secondary pitchers or not as often. Um, you know, his stuff is, is ticked up. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty nice when you draft a guy in the first round and then his stuff is even better than you expected, uh, you know, when you got him. So, guys, off to tremendous starts. Let's talk about uh, the trade deadline and looking back on the past years. Jim, you wrote this story. Uh, top 100 guys traded over the last five Julys, not including this year. Obviously, only two went this year. So it was a year in which we didn't see the big-time prospects switching hands at the non-waiver trade deadline. Uh, but in the past, we have seen more of that. Doing your research, and you kind of rank them, I think, 1 through 41, uh, top to bottom, what stood out to you the most as, as far as just compiling this list and, and going through it and looking at both sides of these deals? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, the, the, the story kind of, <laughs> I don't know if it went off the rails, but it kept snowballing where, you know, we did the research and there's 41 guys, if you count guys who were on the list or, or made a future list. And then it was not only ranking them, it was declaring a winner of each trade. And I know it's early on some of those, but um, I guess what stood out to me is I'm trying to do the quick math here as I look at my, my spreadsheet with all my research. 
looking at the, like who won the deals, and again, I know that it's not definitive who won these deals. You know, it's set in stone. But of the of the deals, I had 26 times. I I thought the team getting the prospect came out ahead, as opposed to only I think it was 14 for the. Uh, for the team getting the veteran and, and trading the prospect. Now, some of those were draws, so they, they both won. And it, but it was interesting. I, I would have thought maybe it was more of a balance, and maybe the reason it came out is one-sided in terms of picking, uh, you know, who's a winner and who's a loser, is that in a lot of these cases you already know how the major leaguer did for the team that got him. In a lot of cases they're only rentals, and whereas the prospects are still – you know, showing what they can do so they, you know, I guess for want of a better phrase, haven't had a chance to fail. But it was interesting to me that there were very few, you know, clear winners where the team that, that traded the prospects clearly came out ahead. I think they were only looking at this only four trades where I thought that was the case. And, you know, there were about 10 draws, and then the rest of them were, were favoring the team that got the prospects. Yeah, the same exact thing stuck out to me just reading through them was how many times it was. Because you think about a lot of times you get sold on the whole, well, they're just prospects. we got to get the, the sure thing. They're just prospects. But a lot of times with these deals, it's for a rental. And if if the team doesn't go on to make a deep playoff run, I guess those rentals end up looking like a bad move. Um, just to go through your top few, Gleyber Torres, number one. Um, but you did rule that a draw, which I think is fair, even though the Yankees got Torres and they also got Chapman back. The Cubs on the other side broke the curse and, and won the, the World Series. So all winners in that one. Aloy Jimenez to the White Sox, number two. Addison Russell to the Cubs, number three. Um, Jonathan, was it fun for you just looking through these? On the, on the other end of things, you have number 41 was Rob Kaminsky to the Indians uh, for Brandon Moss, which you gave to uh, the Indians and then Phil Bickford to the Brewers. Jonathan, thoughts? Yeah, it, w- it was a lot of fun. I mean, in some of them, like, you forget, you know, that, you know, oh, that's right, that guy was in that deal, or, or yes, that guy got traded, uh, that guy got traded twice. You know, it's, uh, it, it's always, you know, good to be reminded of that. that Jim just did a tremendous amount of research uh, in, in terms of, uh, in terms of figuring all that out, which was, was, you know, really impressive stuff. And, you know, it's, it's always hard, especially the more recent trades, to, to really know what, uh, who the winner is. And some of it's still to be determined. You know, we may, we may look at that Glaber Torres or all the Stratman trade, and I agree, it's a draw right now. Uh, you know, 10 years from now, if Glaber Torres is heading towards a Hall of Fame career and help the Yankees win a couple of titles, then obviously it skews a little differently. So I think it's the kind of thing that you could revisit somewhat regularly to, to reevaluate. So we yeah, expect gonna, to see it again it, next year, Jim. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it'd be a lot of the same guys, maybe not, but I was going to say one of the things I thought was kind of funny, because I remember being, and I know like Jonathan and I are both, you know, on the prospect side of things and skewed towards prospects, but it was funny you mentioning that Rob Kaminsky came out number 41 on my list, battling Phil Bickford for the honor or dishonor of being the worst top 100 prospect traded in the previous five Julys. At the time, I, I thought that was a terrible trade for the Cardinals to give up Rob Kaminsky for Brandon Moss. I, I just couldn't believe it. I thought at worst with Kaminsky's curveball, he'd be a good lefty reliever. And I, I remember being pretty vocal at the time, you know, when talking about the trade that it was a bad trade for the uh, for the Cardinals, and it turned out not to be. I, you know, I wound up declaring that one a draw because Brandon Moss did almost nothing in St. Louis, 
but Kaminsky's stuck in double A. And it's it's interesting looking at guys who are once regarded as very high prospects who 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 haven't panned out to this point. You know, like the Cody Reeds or the Jake Thompsons of the world who who I used to like and, and they just haven't been able to get it done at the big league level. So, you know, prospects, I mean I I think I think it's interesting you know, like I said, I mean, I always tell myself you got to remember prospects aren't sure things. You can't treat them like they are. But again, when you're judging these deals, uh, for the most part, the teams, you know, getting prospects in a case, in a lot of these cases for the rentals, uh, it winds up, you know, being advantageous. So, uh, you know, maybe that's why teams are a little bit more cautious about giving those guys up this year. Yeah, and you mentioned that there's there's two kinds of draws in these trades as well. You have the Glaber Torres for Chapman deal where everyone wins, and then you have the Kaminsky Moss deal where where both teams would probably be happy if the trade just never happened. So there's definitely different types of draws. All right, one more thing to touch on on this week's podcast, and that is just checking in on the summer showcase circuit for prep players. East Coast Pro was last weekend. The perfect game national All-American game coming up this weekend out in sunny and beautiful San Diego, California. Um, You wrote up a top 10 players from the East Coast Pro, Jonathan. Number one, Daniel Espino. And again, this is a guy who had a great Under Armour game, uh, was not at Tournament of Stars, but has certainly been tremendous. And we talked at Tournament of Stars a lot about the lack of velocity as far as the starting pitchers go. This guy's got plenty of that. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he was at PG National, and area code games are going on right now, by the way, because just in case you know, these kids needed something to do between <laughs> East Coast Pro and the, and the Perfect Game All-American uh, game. But um, it, uh, there was a lack of power arms. And in some ways, I'm a little bit surprised that there weren't more top arms who didn't go. I, I know that there were, to Tournament of Stars, there were some you know people I heard mildly complaining because the international competition is is later this year um so you know, to have to like get hot and pitch and high level at that at that time of year it's a bit of a stretch but most of them did it espino is a guy who who didn't uh who didn't go but he's been good everywhere else he was up to 99 at east coast pro uh good breaking ball uh, you know, the other guys with maybe more pitchability, although overall his, his command was pretty good. Um, you know, it'll be fun to see a guy like that in a, you know, one inning and done kind of thing, a, a, a perfect game, uh, just like, you know, at Under Armour, because they know that it's kind of all about letting up the radar gun. Um, but he is definitely a, a, a guy to keep a very close eye on as we start thinking very, very loosely about what our, our draft top 50, which we put out in December, will look like. And then when you look through the rest of Jonathan's top 10, Jim, a lot of uh, names that we've become very familiar with here on this podcast and throughout the summer from the high school ranks, Brennan Malone, number two, the right-handed pitcher, Hunter Barco, number three, the lefty out of Florida, Reese Hines, the power hitter, C.J. Abrams, Maurice Hampton, a toolsy guy who who's a, a football player as well. It, these guys that have impressed early have continued to impress here as we get into August. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, a lot of these guys were at the Under Armour. I think every all ten guys on Jonathan's list were at the Under Armour game. Uh, You're welcome. You know, yeah, it's, it's, why, why am I welcome? It's like I, I, I laid the groundwork for you by writing up these guys. But, uh, but uh, I guess you had him a tournament of stars. But, yeah, it's, we're, we're seeing the same guys. I mean, Jonathan noted that Reese Hines was more impressive in BP than in the game. In the games, I mean, that was kind of true at Under Armour, which is a one-day look. I mean, he had probably the best batting practice in Under Armour history. Um, I think the best pure hitter on the high school side is Riley Green. 
Uh, you know, Jonathan mentioned him. He looked great at the Under Armour game. A lot of the pitchers, Jack Leiter, Al Leiter's kid, um, struck out the side in his one inning at the Under Armour game and continued to show good feel for pitching and, and a nice curveball uh, at East Coast Pro. So, uh, you know, not not a lot of surprises. I mean, and Jonathan, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but was there anybody who was a less big name? I know you mentioned a bunch of other guys and, and others of, of note. Was there anybody who got cited as, hey, this guy opened our eyes a little bit um, because, it, it, you know, it seems like a lot of the top guys did stand out there. Yeah, and, and, and I always, when I do those, uh, err towards the overall prospect status side and not just pure performance, which is why, you know, Reese Hines didn't do anything in the games. Even Riley Green didn't do particularly much in the games he played, um, but landed on the list anyway just you know, because of the other things he's done this summer and, and how he looked in workouts and things like that. Um, you know, there, there were a couple of guys. Um, <clears throat> Jose Torres, uh, shortstop, uh, stood out to, to some. Um, Chris Villeman is another guy, uh, a pitcher, uh, who sh- showed a pretty good feel for pitching. Uh, you know, if you look through, that's why I ended up adding so many uh, others of note uh, because a lot of guys were brought up. I mean, I, you know, showcases like that, the, the best thing about East Coast Pro, uh, like area code games, and even like Tournament of Stars, Tim, is that, you know, there's multiple games played. It's not just a one and done. You get, especially for the position players, you can get more than one luck. Sometimes the pitchers pitch twice. Uh, so you really get uh, more of a sense of uh, how they play, and it's not just a workout or an all-star game. And, uh, I, I think that has uh, some added value be, because of that, and it allows some guys, uh, especially since that is somewhat regional. You know, Bobby Wood Jr. wasn't at East Coast Pro Showcase. You know, none, no one from California was there. It's all Eastern Region guys, and it, it does give the opportunity for certain guys to sort of step up and stand out. All right, great stuff. We will continue to monitor the Summer Showcase circuit, of course, with Perfect Game coming up this weekend, the Area Code Games, Jonathan, you mentioned. Uh, we'll keep that, keep you updated on this podcast as we get closer and closer to, I guess, December, right, is when the Top 50 draft list originally comes out. Is that right, guys? Uh, yeah, right, usually right before the winter meetings. All right. All right, good stuff. This has been a good podcast. I want to thank Jim and Jonathan, and of course, Royce Lewis for joining us from the Minnesota Twins. Great stuff from him. Thanks for joining us, and tune in again next time to the Pipeline Podcast.